Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Hui Huin of the Alabama Woodworker, and I'm joined by my friends, Sean Walker of Simple Co. Say hello, Sean. <laughs> we were 89 episodes in. You don't have to tell me how to say hello. I'm just going to say hello. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and Guy and Guy Dunlop of Guy's Woodshop. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. I said it before you told me to do it. So uh, does that I was mean waiting you're going to you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna edit that and put a little blank spot in there? No, sure I'm, 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 I'm rolling with it. Please I'm rolling follow, awesome. make sure I'm following your orders. Uh, 85 episodes in, I'm not editing uh-huh, that uh-huh. out. No, 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 no. We're 89. <laughs> 89. And you're the oh editor. My oh my goodness. That's crazy. That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes. That's too many. Yeah. It really is. It really is. We haven't missed a week. That's right. And since I we have. started this. And our, well, <laughs> and our listeners are keeping it going. So we're really happy about yeah. that, which we want to talk about. So this podcast is intended to answer your questions, the woodworking community, and give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. And we also have a Patreon campaign. And we'd like to thank our newest patron. <clears throat> Mike Sylvester, if you'd like to show your support, we are simply asking for a small donation to cover the cost of bringing you the, this podcast. So please go to patreon.com forward slash woodshoplife if you'd like to show your support. And again, Mike, thank you. And please stick around towards the end of the show where we will briefly talk about what each of us have going on in our own shops. So with that, let's get right into it. Guy, what's your first question? Oh, I'm first. Yes. I thought Sean was first. Oh, come no. on, man. 89 episodes. <laughs> All right. So I've got a question here from David in Central Kentucky. And he says, or he asks, I say that every time. He says, he asks, great podcast follows such a wealth of knowledge. My question is about Sherwin-Williams high build pre-cat lacquer, low gloss white. I've been spraying it through my Fuji for a few years. I know Sherwin-Williams can tint it, but I have a big assortment of trans-tint dye. Wondering if it works as well as Sherwin-Williams tints. Thanks, David Morton, Central Kentucky. So myself, I've only used the high-build pre-cat. Actually, it wasn't high-build, but it was a uh, water-based pre-cat lacquer. What do they call it? They have a name for it. Mm, from Sherwin Williams? Yeah. I, I don't know. I've only used the Chemaqua Plus, which I think is their water-based conversion varnish. Okay. Anyways. Or water. So, yes, you can tint it with trans tint dye. I recently did a project with some actually clear satin uh, conversion varnish, water-based, and I put some trans tint dye in it because I didn't feel like dyeing the piece itself. Mm-hmm. And I just put a, a dark coat of this stuff. I don't actually work. It was white oak and I wanted it darker. It actually looked really good when it came out. You mm. can do that if you want to, David. I'm, I might recommend against it because I think you're going to be, you're really going down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out what colors you need. You really have to understand mm. how, uh, the colors interact with each other on, you know, let's say a color wheel mm-hmm. to get things right. And it, it's kind of weird. It's like, okay, I've got this color, but I need to add purple to it or I need mm-hmm. to add mm-hmm. yellow to it to, to get a certain tint. Sure. And Williams can tint it any way you want. Mm-hmm. Um, when I buy tinted 
conversion varnish or the, or I should say pigmented uh, conversion varnish, I usually get it from Target Coatings. Mm-hmm. And they actually have a, uh, a thing on there where they have all the Sherwin-William code numbers mm-hmm. to tint it. And they also have somebody else they have on it. I don't know. Benjamin Moore? Benjamin Moore. Yeah. All their color codes. And uh, Sherwin-Williams, I mean, if you're buying it from Sherwin-Williams... I, Myself, them to tempt it, wouldn't you? Yeah, myself, I would just have them to have them to. I don't want to mess with that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Are, uh, yeah, you've used a lot of the Sherwin Williams Chem Aqua. Yeah. Have you ever got it pigmented or tinted? I've gotten it pigmented white. So rather than paint, quote unquote, um, mm-hmm. I, I got I used the uh, pigmented Chem Aqua for my daughter's crib, which she is well outgrown. Um, and it was, uh, sealed with the chem aqua plot. Well, I guess you would say painted. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you call it when it's actually not technically paint that you're applying. I mean, painted, right? So it's just I paint, finish. Yeah. I finished it in the, uh, pure white, uh, Sherwin Williams color, whatever their pure white is. Uh, and I had them, uh, pigmented at, uh, at the store, but so when you correct me if I'm wrong, you're you trans you use the trans tint dye with the uh, water based pre cat lacquer, correct? You can sure. Uh, so did it come out? I mean, I imagine it came out somewhat translucent, right? So you were able to see the grain through it and whatnot. Yeah. Well, okay. I didn't. I didn't use that. I used some water based conversion varnish. Uh, okay. That so- was not. That was non pigmented. Right, right. So it's a clear, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah, it's a clear coat. Okay, so then it it was essentially like staining the piece without having to apply a stain. Correct. Is that right? Okay. Correct. But it did mu- it did muddy the look a little bit. But I was in a hurry. And yeah. I know I could put a couple of coats of this stuff on real quick. I actually, I should say, I sprayed a coat of shellac on it first to seal it. And then I put mm-hmm. that stuff on top. How, how did it come out? Because that, that, that's kind of interesting. It came out beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So you did not stain. You 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 applied the transient dye to the finish, mm-hmm. and then coated. It. That's pretty cool. Okay. I mean, I know that you can do that with like polyurethane uh-huh. and other things, but I you guess can I do, just you didn't... can do it with shellac. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just I guess for some reason I just didn't think of you know doing that. I, I, in my mind, I always think, oh, apply the color first and then apply the finish. But that makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. Yeah, that d- definitely saves a step. I just wanted it in my in my. Uh, office the next day mm-hmm. and I knew I could put a coat of shellac on it let it sit for a couple hours sand it back and then I could put two coats of the stuff on for the rest of the day and you know the next day I can just mm. get rid of the dust nibs and bring it in the bring it in the bring it in the office where I needed it what what furniture piece was it it's a stand for my printers my 3d printers okay Cool. All right. Well, I'll have to. I'll have to experiment with that. Have you ever done anything like that, Sean? Nope. <laughs> Never used any of the pre-cat lacquers or con- conversion varnishes or none of that. Well, have you but, tinted any finishes like shellac or polyurethane, mm, water-based poly, or anything? Let like me that? think for a second. I don't. I don't believe I have. No, I don't think that I have. I'm a pretty plain Jane. Wipe on, you know, wiping varnish or shellac or water-based poly and 
Does um, Target Coatings, do they sell anything smaller than a gallon? They sell quarts. Yeah. And that's, is it? Okay. I'd say it's probably pretty expensive compared to just buying a gallon of the stuff. No, it's, it's, it's right in line with everybody else. It's not expensive. It's just this time of year, I don't buy any. Because yeah. it, has to, it has to be shipped from New Jersey and by, I don't want it to freeze. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking primarily trying some this year because I need to branch out a little bit and try some different types of yeah. finishes. And With, I thought about getting a quarter of that or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you should. So it's it, their line, their, their line of finishes is called M tech, correct? Correct. And, uh, do they get you on the shipping? They're shipping, but it's not, it's not like, you know, $80 for a $20 can of finish. Okay. It's, it's reasonable. reasonable. It's okay. reasonable. It might be like 10, $15. Okay. All right. The, All right. the last, I bought some stuff from there to hold me over the winter months. Mm-hmm. So I bought like a gallon of the conversion varnish. I bought uh, a quart of the pigmented white. I bought some sealer. Mm-hmm. To try that out, um, that was about it. And I figured if I, and th- that's the thing. I, I figured if I if I had the the gallon of that stuff, I can mix it with stuff. If and I that, need, that if I need to get you know colors out of it, but I wouldn't just, try. I wouldn't try to get solid pigments out of it. Right, right. It's, or it's, anything like that. It's just with the transient dye. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty cool. But I put transient dye in water based um polyurethane before too and it works you can put you can put that transient dye in freaking everything yeah what is minwax's product called is it like poly shades or something like that where you can have it tinted they got several different so. colors yeah i think yeah. so it's it's the 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 stain and the dot the the stain and the finish all in one yeah it looks i'd never liked it, it was- the only the only problem with that is it 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 isn't a very clear finish. So it's going to be, it's going to have a little bit for, for lack of a better term, it was going to have a muddied look. Mm, yeah. The grain isn't going to show through as much. Yeah. Now that's, that's different from just the Minwax stains, correct? You're talking right. about stain and, and finish, right? It's called poly, poly shades. It was a finish. Poly shades, it was yeah. a, a stain of a tentable finish where they had a preset colors that you could choose from. Uh, and then you would take it and they would, they would um, mix it with whatever to make it the color you needed that was on the chart, and mm. it was a, a finish. I'm guessing a poly plus a, a stain. Yeah. yeah. A color. That's what it is. Cool. Cool. And so this is from Scott, and he says, Hey, thanks so much for the podcast. I have a Delta Contractor Saw 36725T2. I looked that up. It's uh, It's pretty much the modern contractor saw the most current contractor saw that uh, Delta makes. I'm very happy with the saw and it happens to line up with my workbench. Well, the one thing I'm struggling with is I feel the table saw is a little tall. I need to really strain to look straight down on the blade to line up fine joinery cuts such as, and I think he's talking about dovetails, but he says diver tails. I think that's a typo. And I thought of lowering the saw, but I like my bench height and don't have room for an outfeed table and a bench. Which height is more important? In my opinion, and Scott, I don't know your physiology in terms of how tall you are or anything like that. But if you're having 
if you're having issues looking like, let's say, for instance, if you've got like a, a crosscut sled or something, you know, and I've done t- dovetails on the table on the table saw using like a crosscut sled uh, setup. And if you're having issues eyeing where that cut is relative to the blade, I think, in my opinion, it would be more important to have the table saw adjusted to your height. Now, I think if that were the case, I'm looking at this saw and I'm like, how do you adjust the height of this saw? Because I don't think this saw has adjustable legs. So I'm like, I'm kind of confused. Like, how is this guy going to change the height of the saw? Like, I, I don't know of any like contractor saw or cabinet style saw where you can adjust the height. Well, you can you can take the leg, unbolt the legs off of it and put it on a sand and make that okay. sand okay. Any, any height you want to. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. And take off the legs. Make Jeez, you're a rocket scientist. We think well, of things. I'm thinking that he, <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking that he wouldn't want to wouldn't want to remove the legs that come with it. At least I probably yeah, would. But yeah, I, I think it, yeah. <laughs> I think that it's probably more enjo- more important for you to be able to cite your joinery cuts on the table saw than it would be to have it continuously line up, especially if you're using it a lot for that. I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that, Sean? Uh can you take this particular saw off? The legs look like they go all the way up. I, I think I've you got, can, I, got, I think I've you can see what the saw looks like. So I looked at it. And I think you can take there are two halves of it. So there's the there's there are the legs that attach to the um main working unit of the saw. So right? it looks like I it's think, a box inside of four post legs. Yes. Yeah. So I think you can uh-huh. do that and he'd probably end up having to make some type of you know uh torsion box cabinet or something to put or just yeah, okay. Probably wouldn't have to be torsion box, but just something really sturdy. So, hmm. When I okay, I see what you're saying. Now. When I when I think of this, and again, I could be wrong. Um, I don't look at my blade to line anything up. I mean, I always if I'm cutting some joinery that needs, mm-hmm. yeah, I need to know the exact spot of the blade. I normally just use a sacrificial fence and create that fresh kerf and zero uh, clearance. Yeah, zero clearance, and it's not to say that that's the only way to do it. Um, but if you lower that, you got to lower your workbench. How much are we talking? I guess these are the small, the small details that I, that I need. You know, are we mm-hmm. talking an inch, we talking four, six, eight inches, you Gosh, know, that would be a lot. Yeah. Are we talking? Hmm, yeah, I don't know. Uh, here's, here's, here's my recommendation. I'll make it really simple. Mm-hmm. Build a small box to stand on ah. so you can look down at the blade. I was going to recommend high heels. Got it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. But simple. High simple heels. Solution. I like high heels better. It's it's really, really cool. I, I could see you in those guys. Um, but so, I don't know. I, I mean, I would, I would do anything that I could to not have to lower my workbench yeah, yeah. and the table. That's song. what I'm saying. Just build a box to stand on. Mm-hmm. Because I'm 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 like six uh, close to six two. I'm really not six two. I'm close, <clears throat> and I can't really see. I can't put my head directly over my saw blade. I can't either. I've never had yeah. a reason to. Yeah, I'm not yeah. either. 
Not a really long time. But if I wanted to, I wouldn't consider low iron my saw. Sure, sure. I'd stand on something. Yeah. It's much easier so to build a small so, box. Yeah, yeah, so I could hover over it. Yeah. I would Good jump. Point. Good point. So I have a, uh, and I know it's not a table saw, but I have a lathe oh my that's God. on these um, uh, wheels, these uh, leveling casters. Uh-huh. And uh, just to be able to make it mobile, uh, because the lathe is just not something that I really want stationary in my in my shop. So I have those casters on there. I, I built a small box that I stand on so that my, because I raised the lathe up, so that now my lathe tools are closer to my hip. Um, that, yeah, that, that, I think that's the better answer. Do that. Don't lower anything. Um, yeah. Because all your other cuts are going to, I mean, all your other cuts, like your rip cuts and cross cuts, are probably gonna, I mean, you're probably going to want to be at the height it's at right now. So if you really need to get a better sight line, yeah, build a box. Yeah, and I would I would look and see if you can change, not improve, because what you're doing now is not wrong. It would be if yeah. you can change your habits on lining up your work pieces to zero zero clearance curves and and stuff like that, you know, and have jigs set up for specific types of cuts that you can go back to and 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 you know very comfortably pull the jig back, line it up, and then push it through the blade to make your cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's how all of us are citing joinery type cuts for, you know, just using your zero curve, zero curve clearance, right? That's how I do. I got about 15 in one of my miter saw fences that I have to guess which one it is every time. <laughs> no, I just, I just put my fence at whatever I have to. Oh. You got the Incra. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I just put it over and click, boom. I'm what about for diver tails? Diver, diver tails? <laughs> I don't do dovetails on the... That was a joke. That was diver tails. I know. I know. Not dovetails. I was trying to be the straight man. Yeah. Hmm. There. there you go. Okay. All right. Um, well, hope that helps. Uh, Guy, you've got the next question. Second All one. All right. This is from Tom. It's a little bit long, but it's, it's got some good humor in it, and I hope people appreciate it. So, gentlemen. Enjoying, as always, the podcast, especially with the recent addition of my questions and your informative, insightful, and obviously thoroughly researched and considered thoughts on my quandaries. On to my current woodworking-related predicament. I find myself both lacking a proper workbench and having a surplus of black locust and white oak for my aforementioned shed project. My current workbench is a tall 40-inch dining room table. When it served as such, it came as a set with stools, not chairs, from Bloomingdale's for $2,600 freaking dollars. And it's even MDF screwed together. Who gets a tall dining room table as the only horizontal surface in a 400 400 square foot Manhattan apartment? My ex-wife, of course. (laughs) Because, (laughs) Because that makes sense. And if it doesn't, you are in the bad boy corner. Word of advice to your listeners. If your fiance insists on haircuts that cost more than a woodpecker's router lift, don't. Just don't. <laughs> Run and make up an excuse, but don't ever. Five months of hard lessons right there. But I, dig- I digress. I said, it's, it's kind of funny. I have enough black locusts to make a 26 by 78 inch top at about three and a half inches thick. 
my lumber dimensions range rough, not nominal, from 4x4s to 2x10s. The only benchtop dimension limited by the number is the thickness. I feel like I want a girthier bench. The legs are going to be 4x6 white oak with 2x6 stretchers, and in the drawing, the top looks out of proportion. I'm a big feller, 6'4", and I generate a lot of force with my hand tool work, and I don't want to bring the base dimensions down to suit the current possible top thickness. Ah, I need a drink after that. Whew. So do you think I should suck it up and go grab some more 2x6s and get me a 6-inch thick top? The goal here is to get rid of all this black locust. It's not good for woodworking. It's best for outdoor building, but I want to get back to woodworking. But my parents who live nearby need a cat house, the kind for sheltering an outdoor animal, not housing prostitutes. Wow. I hope so. So wow. I could I could potentially use the excess to make that impervious to the elements and make my mom happy because apparently Jeff told her his little bitty feet get cold on the stone patio. I'm assuming Jeff is the cat. And my dad built what looks like a homeless encampment of tarps and pallets as the temporary shelter. Anyways, he tells us if you want to see a look at what he's building, you can visit him on Instagram at Figura Woodwork, F-I-G-U-R-A Woodwork. And you can see what he's talking about. And he thanks us for our work and may your blade stay sharp and your fences square. Right. So after all that, the question is... Yeah, let's he's recap. A, he's, he's, a, he's a tall guy at six foot four. And he's got a bench that he's trying to figure out how tall to make. And if he should make it have a thicker top, myself, I would just make the, the, the base larger. Yeah. Yep. To be honest, I think once you get past three inches on a top, mm, it yeah. all becomes elementary after that. Yeah. It, I don't think it really has offers anything. Yeah. Now, I know, I know my bench top is, I think, about three inches. And I can, it, it doesn't move. I mean, it's yeah. just the tank. It you, looks thicker than that. No, it's about three inches. It is looks it so thicker cool? because it's got a board on the front that the, the vice attaches to. Oh, okay. Got, so, gotcha. um, Sean, you have a, a solid top workbench, correct? Yes. How, how thick is that? Four inches thick. Uh, 20, wow. Four inches thick, 26 inches wide, and... I can't remember. It's maybe six feet long. It's, it's not a really, it's, it's wider than it is. It's wider than a traditional bench, but not as long because I used it, uh, for an outfeed table and all kinds of stuff, but yeah, it's poplar and I made it four inches, uh, thick. Yeah. So, um, the, le he says the legs are going to be four by six wide Oak with two by six stretchers. Mm -hmm. Um, those are big. Wow. That's yeah, big. but he's also really saying big. that he's also saying that he's also worried about the aesthetics of it, which is another part of it. He wants a girthier style bench, and he says it looks out of place. I could imagine that with four by six yeah. legs. Is there a reason not yeah. to go with just like four by four legs or something like that? Because yeah. that with two by six stretchers, you know, big mortise and tenons, that's going to be a solid bench well, with a three inch yeah, top. Or and, something. He, and he's he's got he's got the lumber too. So. It, 
the black locust. But the I, I guess my thing is, is that a workbench is a workbench. I really don't care what it looks like. Sure, sure. I just yeah. want it to be functional and do what I need it to do. Yeah, I mean, I dig that, but I mean, if you can make it look good, it's a it's a sure. piece of furniture in your shop, essentially. But I I think three and a half. I'd probably if it were me, I'd go four by four on legs and then leave the top three and a half, and that's fine. You're gonna lose a little bit of it when you flatten it, but you're not gonna lose much. You know, it depends if you're using a hand plane to flatten it or a router mm-hmm. sled, uh, which is what I used. Mm-hmm. I lost maybe maybe three sixteenths on thickness because I started out pretty flat, anyways. But that that's what I would do. Three and a half is fine. Do four but by he's four. Saying, but he's saying it's it, it, it's gonna look weird. Which is why I said to make the legs smaller, and it, I don't think it would look weird. Up. Yeah, yeah. Because three and a half to four, I mean, you would have to get a, a measuring tape out to see the difference in that. That's pretty close. I think there also might be an issue at the top that thick if you're using like hold or like uh, uh, hold downs, hold fast, hold yeah. fast, and stuff like that. I don't, I don't, I, use, I don't use one, so I couldn't tell you. No, but I'm no, sure. you, you, you bring up a really good, uh, really good uh, point of contention there. Um, so if you do have a thicker top and you do plan on using holdfasts, I think one of the recommended things to do is to counterbore those holes on the bottom or to create like a large chamfer, uh, so that okay. those holdfasts will actually engage. Otherwise it'll just pretty much just stay vertical and not actually lock into the sidewalls of those, uh, dog holes. Yeah, and when I had my my other bench, I had the dog holes, and I actually kept the dogs in the holes. Same just here. pressed below the surface, and mm-hmm. whenever I needed them, I could just reach under the bench and pop them out. Pop them out. Yeah. With a six six inch thick top, you really couldn't do that. Yeah, you'd have to make really long ones that are friction fit and go all the yeah. way through. Or I have like a you know just get I use I I like those uh, Veritas brass ones. I've got That's exactly what I have. I have four of those. The the pups, they're spring loaded because my holes aren't aren't all the way through. So I just you know pop them down, and when I need them, I pop them up, and they're spring loaded. No, I don't have those. I've got the regular long ones. Yeah, but I just yeah, press got... I just press them down, and they they would go. They were like four and a half inches, five inches long. Yeah, maybe four and a half inches long, and I would just go underneath the bench and stick my hand in there, and pop it up. That's some, there's certain things. I understand the aesthetic he's going for. And he's got the wood, and he says you can't really do anything with it because of what it is. He, well, he, he had said, that long conversation about a cat house. I know. <laughs> for Jeff. <laughs> for Jeff. Jeff the cat. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he's looking at the aesthetic part of it, which I, yeah. which I, which I dig. But yep. myself, I don't care. Um, but it mean obviously it means something to Tom. Yeah. the the six inch top with legs that big and beefy would look better probably. Si- yeah six inch top would be thick but that's man really that is, damn thick that's gonna be heavy too when you're milling it up and gluing it together in pieces <laughs> yeah but this is the guy that like did all that work for the shed remember like black locust siding and all that stuff so yeah, like, he, he really he, he's all about it yeah so I mean, if he can, if he wants to, I wouldn't worry too much about the aesthetic. And if he's trying to, I, I get what you're saying, guy. It's a workbench. Who cares what it looks like? Uh, 
A lot of people. No, I know, I know. Of course, I care about that stuff too, right? But like, but it's it's it's, it's 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 secondary to the function, right? It's nice. Exactly. If it, it's great if it looks great, but yeah. if it doesn't do what I need it to do or how I want it to work, all those aesthetics mean nothing. So, how can I get the function out of it and the aesthetics I want? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which personally, though, even I understand. So I'm going to play the other side of this and and kind of go on the side of what uh, what Sean's saying. Man, a six inch top though, it just looks kind of weird. That may look weird in and of itself. I know. It was seven, I know. And, and and it's seventy eight inches Dude, long. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be heavy. <laughs> six and a half feet long. It's, it sounds like this is inches wide. That thing sound, is going to weigh four hundred pounds. It sounds like this is what Tom uses for workout. Have Tom, you, you need to work out more, so I don't make think, it six inches thick. I don't think <laughs> I've ever seen a workbench have a top be six inches thick. I think I the most, think like, so traditionally is like four is four. what I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's and, what some of the Rubo stuff is. It's four. Like and how four how do you points. how do you think this is going to look with Black Locust top and White Oak base? Well, Black uh, Locust isn't black, Sean. Yeah. No, but it obviously, White Oak, you know, and, and Maple are not black either, but they look different. Yeah. 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 I, I don't, I don't know. And all I can say is it's, it's an interesting question. And I think he, he's the one that really has to determine that. I think it, it really has more to do with how he, I said it before and I'll say it again. I'm, I know I'm repeating myself. Is it going to meet the functionality of what his expectations are? what his expectations are of the functionality, I should say. Practical, pragmatic approach to it. I think, at least for me, is that it just seems a little too thick. It just seems a little too thick. I really think you're going to be limited on the accessories too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think now I understand it. If you're facing the side of the bench, I think it's going to be the six inches wide on the legs that way, maybe for a leg vice perhaps is maybe what he's doing. Again, we would need to see a picture of what he's thinking about building. Uh, but I, yeah, I think it, I now understand why that the leg may be dimensioned the way that it is for like mm-hmm. a leg vice. But yeah, yeah I, I would stick a three and a half for the top, you know, and I, I think six would be a little too chunky for me. But that's just my opinion. But typically for leg vices and things like that, that require or, or end vice, whatever you want to call them. For typically for a vice that needs to sort of have a built up top, you just sort of build up that section of it. You don't kind of make the whole top that thickness, right? I mean, no, I'm talking about the leg for a, the legs being six because of he may be using oh, yeah, a leg yeah. vice. But yeah, I agree oh, with gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't have to have it. You can have a two inch thick top if you build up that back end with this. You know, that's how mine is on the end. Is okay. I've got I've got a probably a freaking six or seven inch wide board that I mounted to the end that my tail vice or whatever you want to call it is connected to yeah that's what i have on the side yeah so, so. it was an, it was an interesting question it was an interesting read <laughs> tom if you think six inches is too chunky just go ahead and mill it down to four how about that yeah yeah by hand by hand that's right with yeah. a jack plane and flip yeah. it over halfway through so you get the even uh, milling process so it doesn't twist on you yeah all right all right so i got the next one Yep. This is from Will. As I sit here coughing and assuring everyone that it isn't COVID, I just have lungs full of sapile. I thought to myself, the Woodshop Life guys can maybe help me. 
I try my best to wear all my PPE, but I often find myself choosing between lung protection and eye and ultimately hand protection. I've tried many different masks and eye protection, but every time I'm wearing both the glasses fog up and I can't see, so I take off the mask. What do you all wear or have you used to overcome this? I have seen the full face mask with AC blowers, but I can't spend $500 and need something economical. Will. $500? I think they're more than that, aren't they? Well, this is oh, maybe, whatever. maybe he's looking at yeah. something. Well, whatever. Yeah, Sorry. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even, yeah. yeah. Do they have AC? Oh, they have fans in them. They have AC blowers, like have a compressor yeah. on the back. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I struggled with this a lot when I, when I would wear safety glasses and I chose those cheaper dust masks where they would fog yeah. up because when I exhaled, it would go up instead of down. Mm-hmm. And I found that using a proper respirator. We should all have a lot of experience wearing masks right now. Yeah. I found that using yeah. a proper respirator for me solved the issue. Yeah. Uh, I use a 3M6501 half face piece. I had to write that down. Uh, respirator with the pink P100 filters. And the good thing about the respirator is when you exhale, it's going to open up and go out through the bottom. And when you throw a little flaps that open up and when you inhale, of course, it's going to close those and you're going to be breathing through the filters on the side of the, um, on the side of the mask, those P100s. Now, obviously the key to the respirators is they need to be adjusted so that, you know, they have a good seal. There aren't too tight, but they're not too loose that when you breathe, dust gets in when you exhale. And the good thing about that is they don't fog up your glasses. So, uh, I, and you know, a lot of people don't like wearing them. I, I remember, you know, when I would have my dad over to the shop, he would, he would, no, no, give me the dust mask. And he would struggle and, and not wear the, the nice 3M because they're, they're not as, as easy to put on and they, you know, people they can be stubborn. Funky. Yeah. they look, Yeah. But, but they work, they work excellent. And so yeah. I think if you go that route with some, you know, get your glasses, hook your glasses up, put you a 3M or whatever, half some face respirator, some, and they're not expensive. You can get them for what, 20, 25 bucks without the yep. filters. Yeah, and but the filters are not cheap. No, but they last a while. Yeah, and you can change those filters out from the particle filters to the the uh, organic compound. Organic compound. So when yeah. you like yeah. spray or something like that, it'll it'll mm-hmm. pick those up. Yeah. So is that nice. that is that's my recommendation, and that's that's what I use in my shop. I use 3M for the hearing protection. I use uh, the 3M over the ear Bluetooth speaker oh, yeah. thingies. Uh, nice. they work, they work great. Um, I use, uh, there's a, I forgot the safety glass company that I use, but they're really flexible. The nose pieces is, you know, adjustable. Um, and it's really comfortable, but the problem with it, and I've talked to the manufacturer, they smell like rubber, like real, like a stinky mm. rubber on the nose piece for a while. And I can't remember the brand. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dog them on here, but I still use them. They just smell every time I put them on, but Give a uh, respirator, a, a good respirator, a try. And I think that, you know, if you stick with it, I, I think that you will, uh, that that's the answer that you're looking for. And I think it's going to really help you without spending yeah. $500 for those air conditioned blowers that you strap around your head. That Those are yeah. nice though. They are nice. They, they are, are nice. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. so but, dang. I don't wear a dust mask often. Now, when I do wear a mask, it's mostly the organic vapor ones when I'm spraying, but I do for dust mask, I use the ellipse dust mask. Yeah. Which is really lightweight and it's got like HEPA filters on it. 
It actually works really well. It's super mm-hmm. lightweight. I don't think it was that expensive either. I, I remember right. It was 25 like maybe, bucks. Yeah. It was like 30, 30, $40 with the, with the cartridges. Mm-hmm. Um, those work really well. <clears throat> Here's a tip on, on, because I, I wear glasses and have for years. Here's a tip on how to make your glasses not fog up. Rinse your glasses in cold water and let them dry. Let them air dry. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> how often do you have to do that? Um, not too often, but often enough, maybe a couple times a day. Because, you know, I, everybody in the, in, in the entire world was wearing some type of mask, mask yeah. everywhere. And, you know, in, in the wintertime, in the summertime, it's not a big deal. It really doesn't fog up your glasses. But in, the, in the, the wintertime, your glasses get cold, you come indoors, and they fog up from mm-hmm. the condensation. Mm-hmm. And if your glasses were rinsed in cold water, they tend not to to do that for some reason yeah so it does work i don't know the physics of it maybe we could tell us our resident rocket scientist can explain it to us well it's because your uh your breath is is hot what i understand why where's the science behind that we i need a science gosh it's causing (laughs) condensation all right but anyways i use i use that ellipse Dust mask, it's it's awesome. It's inexpensive and it works really well. Um, is that just like a, a different like it's, brand? It's a of... smaller profile. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little bit smaller on the sides. If you want to look it up, I, I'm looking at it right now because I, I I thought I should have a number for it. It's a it's an Ellipse P100 dust mask. Yeah. Yep. Is so whereas the before. 3M, the cartridges are on the side and they stick out. The ellipse, the cartridge is sort of embedded into, and they're not embedded. You can take them out, but they're yeah. they're molded into the half mask. They're, they're, they're much it. they're much smaller. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. much smaller. So I actually have both, and the reason why I have both is because I had the 3M one first, and they had the uh, I've got the organic vapor cartridges for it. So when I'm spraying, I use that, uh, but uh, I got the GVS Ellipse, the P100, as a Christmas gift, um, and I haven't. And you can't. So the 3M mask, you can change out the cartridges and use the same mask. The Ellipse, I believe, if you want an organic vapor half mask, you have to get it's the a, organic it's vapor a different, half. It's mask. a different item. Like Correct. I said, it's strictly Correct. a dust mask. Yep. Yeah. But it's very small, it's very light, and they're glasses yeah. friendly. Yeah, yeah, because they've got the vent that blows out on the bottom, so it yep. doesn't shoot yep. the air up. Uh, I, I, yeah, I like both of them. And for my Either. eye protection, I have uh, safety lenses in my glasses mm-hmm. and my trifocals. <laughs> they were not Dang. cheap, but I hate wearing safety glasses over over my prescription lenses are that's they're the ones you have to do that with are, are way too bulky and they, they drive me crazy so i just for, for the last 20 years i've just been buying safety safety lenses in my glasses they're so here's plastic. the thing 
my wife has terrible eyesight. And so in order for us, obviously, yeah. So, well, I'm just saying that my (laughs) wife has terrible eyesight. She wears contacts, she wears glasses. Um, and so, uh, when we got married, I, I, I never had, I never went to the eye doctor or anything like that. Um, never had to, I've always had pretty good eyesight. And, but when I got married, my, you know, I had to get, uh, was it, uh, vision insurance. And so in order to get vision insurance for my wife, we had to get a family plan. I can't just get vision insurance for my wife and then me not have any. So I had to do the family plan. So then I started going to the doctor, the eye doctor once a year because, well, I, I'm, you know, it's part of my insurance plan to go to the eye doctor once a year mm-hmm. and I get free glasses. Well, not free. You pay for it, but I get I'm, one of the allowances is a pair of glasses every year. Come to find out my doctor's office actually has prescription safety glasses. Um, so I get prescription safety glasses, even, even though I don't really need it. I mean, I, my, my prescription's just so low. Um, but I, I actually get, I have a couple of pair and every year I get a new pair of safety glasses that, uh, they're just like really regular know. glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they are safety glasses. They are rated as yeah. Yeah. Um, so impact I. resistant glasses. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, all right. I, I, anything else on this guy's? Nope. nope. I think that's it. All right. I've got the last question, and this question is from Bruce, and he's from Vancouver, British British Columbia. So thank you, Bruce. Uh, but I, I think he did have a question before, so this is the second question of one of the question groups that he had sent in. <laughs> Hello, fellas. Love the podcast and the wealth of info that you share. I'm building a dining room table out of old growth fur. I know it's a bit silly to use such a software. I don't think so. I don't think it's silly to use old growth fur for such a high traffic piece. Maybe. (laughs) But the wood came from a 12 by 12 post that was holding up part of my childhood home. Well, that's cool. Uh, I've inset some brass pins and tubes in a flowing pattern on the tabletop and plan to finish it with Osmo oil ebony stain for color to contrast the brass but I'm stuck on what to do for an impact resistant top coat. Have any of you used a foam roller to roll on epoxy and build a couple of coats up? Wouldn't epoxy with high solids be more durable than other more tried and true finishes? The table is being gifted to my brother-in-law and they have a very active toddler. So dents are inevitable, but I'd like to protect it as best as I can without doing an epoxy pour over. Apologies if this question has been asked before. I'm only on episode 22. So you, you got a ways to go. We're on episode 89, buddy. Um, so he's a couple of points here that I'd like to extract. Um, first off, if, if the it's fine if you're using old growth fur. I don't think that's an issue. Um, well, it is soft. So it is soft. you are going to have to put a very, very hard coat over the top of it. If you yes. Want the impact proof. Yes. But I, I think it's cool that he's, I think what I'm trying to say is that it's cool that it's from a childhood home. It yeah, has meaning yeah. behind it. Sentimental. That's cool. That's all yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, wouldn't epoxy with high solids be more durable than other more tried and true finishes? I don't know the answer to that. I have not done a test between... Oh, and by the way, there are epoxies that are specific to using tabletops. They tend to be more, they tend to flow a lot easier. They're more viscous. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
So I would not just use your run of the mill epoxy. I would specifically use, I guess, what they call a tabletop epoxy pour over. Yeah, like a, lot a bar of, top. Uh, yeah, okay. bar top. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I would not use maybe just like, I don't know what some of these folks are using for like uh, epoxy inlays or river table type pours. Not the same thing. Um, so look at the tabletop epoxy. Uh, epoxy. Uh, I did a little bit of research. There's a company called Moss. There's Total, Bo Total Boat makes one. And what they do, at least from the video that I saw, is that they're n they they are pouring it over, but it's not the kind of pour that you think you might be thinking. Once they pour it on, they're actually spreading it with a foam brush. So I, I, I don't, it, at least from what I'm seeing, what I've seen, they recommend using a foam brush, not a foam roller. And then the important thing is making sure that there aren't bubbles in it. Um, this tabletop. Up epoxy that I looked at uh, from Moss, and I think Total Boat has this pretty much the same thing. Um, it is self-leveling. So once you spread it out across your tabletop um, and apply a torch or a heat gun to remove the bubbles, you know, over time, with time, the time that it takes for it to cure, it should be a level surface. But uh, Guy, I know you've used a lot of uh, high build finishes or at least conversion varnish. Do you think he's getting a great advantage from using, say, an epoxy over a conversion varnish? Yes. Absolutely. Really? Okay. Absolutely. So, so, so he's really. He's starting with the soft first, a soft yeah. surface. I mm -hmm. mean, we're not talking hickory here. Mm -hmm. It's fur. You can dent it with your fingernail. Yep. And he wants, and I, and I, 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 I truly appreciate the sentimental value that that piece of wood has mm -hmm. and if you're going to put it in something like this and you've got a, a small child that loves banging the crap out of stuff um there are exactly what you just recommended Lee. i i built a, a standalone bar for somebody i think it was about 20 years ago mm -hmm. and i got some of that bar top epoxy mm -hmm. and it flows out real nice. I had no bubbles on it whatsoever. I, uh, I actually spread it out with like a plastic spreader. Oh, like and, a Bondo cut type thing. Yeah. I just but, spread yeah, yeah. it out with that and it worked great. It has a real thick plasticky look to it when it's done, but when it fully cures, which takes a couple weeks to fully cure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's, it was super rock hard. I mean, you could beat on it and it, nothing would happen to it. So that's for what he wants to do. Uh, Bruce, that, that I, 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 that's what I would recommend. That's what I would do if I was in your situation. I'd really start looking at those. But, uh, but that was 20 years ago. Epoxies have come a long way since then. So mm -hmm. you do have companies like Total Boat. And what's the other one? Matt Moss, Mass, Moss, M-A-S. I've, I've never even heard of it. But there are mm -hmm. companies out there that do make um, epoxy for exactly what you want to do. And I think it's a good idea. So mm -hmm. there you go. Sean, any insight into what was already said or anything additional? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think you all covered it. <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> you sure you don't I, have anything, Sean? You don't have anything. No, there's nothing I can add you while we're talking about it for for a few minutes. I covered everything on this. This isn't have a really ever, complex have topic. Anything? Have you ever used anything nope. like that before? No, sure haven't. Have you ever researched it or anything? Or no, I, I mean I've seen the finish before, like on shelves and stuff. I know what it's for. I've never used it, um, but there's a reason that they make it for situations like this. So I would imagine that it would be a a good fit. Um, for a tabletop. Yep. Right. Well, cool. Uh, so I think that wraps up the questions. Let's go into what we've got going on in our own shops. Guy, let's uh, bring it back to you. Okay. In my own shop, not a zelch because I work too damn hard during the week. Um, <laughs> I, I have done a couple. Of, I made a uh, an LED light strip for my office, and it's like walnut with a aluminum track in it and a diffuser. And I put LEDs in there, and it's hooked up to my home automation system. It's kind of cool. I have a, a problem with one corner of my office; it's very, very dark, and I can't see stuff over there. So I put that over there. That's about it. At work, I've got the usual stuff. I've got a lot going on. Um, mm-hmm. And it's Thursday, so you're doing a miter box. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing long mitered casework. It seems like <laughs> every week on, on Thursday on Thursdays I end up doing this. I think it's because I like to let it sit over the weekend to, mm-hmm. to fully dry. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's in, when I'm in the shop, I, I tend to take things out of clamps pretty quick mm. after like an hour sometimes. So I think that's why it's like a subconscious thing with me, but I've, 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 that's a lectern I'm building. We've been building a lot of plywood boxes and by plywood boxes, I mean like um, bookcases and credenzas and things like that. We've been building a lot of bookcases lately. It seems like which are very simple to build and very quick to build. So that's pretty much it. All right, Sean, what do you got going on, buddy? I've been working on finishing up this box that I'm making. And what slowed me down was the burl veneer that I put on the top and the bottom. Uh, I had to flatten it because I didn't want to risk it. That took a few days longer than I thought. Um, Applied it or, uh, you know, glued it to the box um, and then installed, routed the hinges, installed the hinges, applied finish. And so now I'm just really taking the time to uh, work on the, uh, the burl veneer to get it to look good. Cause it's, I need to build up some more finish on there with the shellac because burl's a little tricky to finish. You know, it, 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 it doesn't lay down as smooth as, you know, just like a regular piece of wood. It kind of looks yeah. blotchy in places. So I got to build up a good base so that I can, you know, buff it back and get a, get a good looking sheen on it. That's consistent. That's what I like to do on a lot. Anytime that I've finished something is consistency is key on the sheen. So I've been working on that, that burl. I had, I've worked with burl, burl veneer before say that 10 times fast, but this one is, has given me, it, it, it's quite the task. I mean, I've had, I've had pieces tear out on it that I've had to patch it's, this one's just a picky veneer that I've worked with, but it's beautiful stuff. Is it, what, what kind of burl is it? Walnut? No, no. It's 
I, if you had a gun in my head, I couldn't tell you. It's some long, <laughs> crazy name. I found it on veneer Sean, supplies. I would never put a gun to your head. If you put a water balloon <laughs> to my head, no, I couldn't. <laughs> Squirt gun. I kept the veneer supplies receipt because I knew I was going to get asked that. And if you go on my Instagram, I believe I mentioned mm-hmm. what it was. I, it's a it's some exotic veneer, I believe. Okay. Um, okay. but it is uh beautiful stuff, but man, it's just it's just it's fighting me and, hard to work with. Yeah. But the good news yeah. is now I'm at, I'm, I've got it done, sanded and a couple coats of uh shellac. I need to probably put two to three more coats to get a good, a good build so that I can wax it and buff it back, get me a good looking sheen. And then it's just a matter of reinstalling hinges and I'm done. And then what, what, uh, what is the relaxer made out of? Uh, whatever veneer supplies it's, puts in it. It's water. <laughs> and I think it's got, I don't it's know. Water, it's mostly water and glycerin. They got okay. their own special concoction. There's yeah, probably all that and a little bit of special <laughs> magic. But is it a veneer supplies like specific yes. product or is it like a generic? No, it's, oh, okay, it's, okay. yeah, it's their it's their product. Um, it's their formula. Okay. So the the veneer is the burl is laurel l a u r e l. That's the uh, the name no. of it. Um, but either way, so that 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 project could be wrapped up. And the good thing about that is I've filmed the entire thing. Oh. mistakes and everything. Oh. So I'm going to be releasing the first YouTube video in over a year and a half. Uh, I know oh my goodness. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, Hey man, are you coming back? I miss your videos. Hope everything's okay. And that they probably think that I've croaked or something. Thankfully I haven't, but, um, but yeah, so I need to release. And I've also the very last video that I put on YouTube and this isn't some me trying to blast my channel, but the very last video that I put on YouTube was this cherry side table that, I made, uh, I think it's an outdoor table that I, that I said it was for. I shot the outro table is set there for a year and a half and I'm going to reshoot that. It's not moved. And just to show the, the insane difference in the color of the, of the cherry, it, it'd be pretty cool because I've got it when it was brand new. And now a year and a half later, same exact spot near the window where I shot mm-hmm. the video, it's still sitting there. And I think I'm going to make a short video showing just how much it's darkened and how, that's a good idea. how amazing good Cherry idea. is. Yeah. But that's what I got going on in the shop. And right now, the last thing I will say is we just got a big snowstorm and it's going to be negative one tonight. So I probably won't be in the shop until maybe, wow. hopefully, Saturday or Sunday. No, yeah. no heat on out there. It's getting down to 19 degrees here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We, we got, uh, I call it, every year we get a snowmageddon. Everything shuts down when it drops below 19 and it rains. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do you got going on in your shop, Wee? Uh, so I just finished up a music stand for a client. Um, she had reached out to me and it was a music stand that ma- was made by her uh, her dad, who was a really, really good woodworker. I mean, she showed me some really awesome stuff that he had made um, and it had gotten damaged in a move from... Uh, Las Vegas. And so I repaired it, um, sanded it down, uh, refinished it, uh, applied shellac, applied a water, um, uh, wipe on poly, um, and remade a piece for her, uh, sent that off to her. And I actually have another refinishing piece that, um, uh, a friend of mine wanted me to do and has been waiting very patiently for me to do, uh, that I've got in my shop. And that's a table that, uh, he had, um, bought when he was in Japan. It's actually a really beautiful table. Um, and uh, so I'm 
starting on the refinishing of that. So that's what I've got going on in the shop. So, cool. uh, yeah. I think that wraps up this show. Please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community. So if you have woodworking questions, please send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or you can DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. And if you are DMing, DMing us through wood, uh, woodshoplife on uh, our Instagram page, make sure you include your name because we really want to make sure that we are um, talking about you on, uh, on the podcast. Uh, we would also like to thank everyone who has left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us in the search rankings. And of course, we truly appreciate the support and feedback. And you can reach me at alabamawoodworker.com. All the links to my social media are on my website. Guy, where can you be found? Uh, anywhere on social media, just look for Guy's Woodshop. And Sean? At Simple Cove and simplecove.com. Awesome. Great talking to you guys. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. All right. All right. See you. Bye.